Well, people have debated the difference between human beings and animals for many years. If we keep telling someone they're an animal, if we keep saying we're from animals, people are going to behave like animals. You know, people become what you say. You know, but, you know, we, but with animals we do, we breathe the same air. Similar digestive system, have the defense mechanisms, feelings, many ways we're similar. Then they say the differences between humans and animals is because uh, humans can talk to each other, but now they're discovering that animals can communicate with one another as well. However, there is one huge difference between every animal and mankind, and that is this, humans can pray. Your dog can't pray. Is that true? You know, you can talk to your dog. You can communicate some things to your dog, but you cannot pray with your cat or your dog. You don't, do you? Do you? Hey, I reckon some of you do. Come on, kitty, let's pray. Pray for granddad or something like that. No, no, don't, please, please don't do that. All right? A cat can't pray, a dog can't pray, but hey, human beings can pray. Some of my thoughts are from David Pawson. But the, this unique activity of, of the human race has been there from the beginning. They say from the most primitive people, human beings always believed that there was a, a being, a God out there somewhere, normally above the sky, to whom you could reach out and pray in some way. Even atheists say, thank God I'm an atheist. The word atheist has in it theist, which is a Greek word for God. So we can't even define not believing in God without reference to God. He is the center of the universe. He's the center of all things. You cannot exclude Him. If you want to exclude Him, you still have to talk to Him to exclude Him or talk about Him to exclude Him. But there's a huge difference between Christian prayer, especially breakthrough prayer and other prayer. I want you to listen carefully today because I'm going to shake some of you, all right? You're going to sit there and think, oh, hold on. Come again, Pastor? All right. So listen to it. Number one, a Christian can never pray alone. <laughs> I'm just winding you up for a little bit, okay? Just to warm you up sitting there. Somebody's starting to go red already. How can you say that? Well, let me explain. In other religions, a person can pray to their God and no one else is involved. So it's them and God. Pray alone to their God. But with Christians, there's always a minimum of four people. Some of you are trying to work it out. If you can't count to four, you're in trouble. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yourself. That's not all. As soon as you start praying, the devil always turns up. Now there's five. Okay, and the devil never comes alone. Right? So he brings some of his demons and principalities or whatever else, brings them alone, and God's probably going to send a few angels there as well. So when you start to pray, you can't pray alone. There's a whole bunch of people gathered together when you start to pray. And that's why the battle, it's a battle to pray. That's why prayer can be hard. Let's go to Ephesians 6 verse 12. And we read these things. It says, For we do not wrestle or pray against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, this is when you're at prayer, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You say, oh, pastor, praying is so hard. Of course it's hard. You know, there's a whole army of enemy powers and forces out there to hinder your praying. And because there's so many people involved in, in when you're praying, I believe that's one reason the Scripture encourages us to pray with others. 
Add to your army. There's safety in numbers. It makes your prayer more powerful. Matthew 18 verse 19 says, Matthew 18, 19 says this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And so God's always wanting us to get together to pray because there's so many people involved. And so if you're just alone praying, well, we got to do that and that's important. But I'm telling you, when we pray with others, it's far more powerful. That's why life groups are such a powerful place. That's why so many answers come through small groups. People praying together, supporting one another. And I think sometimes the reason we don't get breakthroughs is because we don't pray enough with other people. But all this adds a massive amount of weight to Mark 11:17. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations because there's a huge battle. We're praying, you know, the devil's there, his demons are there, there's principalities, there's powers. You know, so, so the spiritual power generated when many people pray together is the hope of the world. It's the hope of our nation. And a church that can really pray can release enough spiritual power to bring revival to a community, to a city, to a nation, and even beyond. And uh, isn't it, um, as I've been thinking about this, you know, isn't it astounding, shocking, amazing, incredible (laughs) that the thing, the most powerful thing that Christians and churches can do, and that's joined together in praying and prayer meetings, is the thing we do the least. Someone explain. The power of the church is in prayer meetings. The power of the kingdom of God advancing is in God's people joining together. So why in heaven's name is that what we do? Why that's the thing that's done least in many, many churches or most churches? then it's no surprise there's no revival in the land. It's no surprise that New Zealand's going to hell in a handbasket because the thing God said that will stop it, we're saying, oh God, we really can't be bothered with that. The state of our nation, can I suggest, is reflected in the church meetings held across the land. It's not a pretty sight. Most churches don't even have a prayer meeting. It's gone really quiet in this place, but I'm just going to keep going, assuming that you guys are deep in reflection right now. So Jesus asked his, the disciples asked Jesus, watch this, Luke 11, 1 to 2. They said, "Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. He replied with the Lord's prayer. What does he start with? He says, our Father. Which I, he didn't say, my Father. Prayer is people coming together. That's not diminishing individual prayer. That's, you've got to have that. That's, that's, a, no, that's a given, all right? But you've got to add to that our Father, which art in heaven. If we want to get breakthroughs in our lives, we've got to get more into united prayer with other people. Secondly, fasten your seatbelts, all right? You all right? You ready for this? Prayer is conversation, not meditation. In many religions and for people in the world, prayer is meditation. But for Christians and Bible teachers, prayer is actually conversation. Prayer is meditation has crept into the church a lot. 
comes from Eastern mysticism. And Eastern mysticism basically says if you only ask for things and talk to God, you're a beginner in prayer. That's that's the beginning point. But when you stop asking and talking and just think about things, you've moved higher. Then you go to transcendental meditation. Finally, you move on to thinking about nothing, and then you have arrived. That's, that's, that's what comes from Eastern mysticism. But what does the Bible teach? If you look at 95% of Jesus' teachings about prayer, he's asking and talking. Asking and talking. He's not thinking. No, no, he's not doing that, friends. He's not praying in his mind. He's not just meditating. He's talking. Now, I appreciate we're going to all have times of silence. Times of waiting on God and even pray silently. Sometimes it's appropriate to pray silently. If you're in the midst of a room with unsaved people and you want to pray, you pray silently. And you, I understand that sort of stuff. We've got to do that. But that's the exception, not the rule. Because the main teaching of Scripture is talking to God and asking Him for things. Jesus' own prayer life illustrates this well in John 17 and Gethsemane. He's repeatedly asking. He's not thinking. He's not meditating. Let's go to John 17, verse 1. These may come up on the... Yeah, they're going to come up there for you, okay? John 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes to heaven. So Jesus... Everyone say spoke. Yeah, Jesus spoke. He didn't think. He didn't meditate to the Father with whom He had perfect communion. And, and said... Everyone say said... Yeah, said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that that your Son may glorify you. Let's take another one, verse 15. This is Jesus' uh, continued prayer in in Gethsemane, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 17, sanctify them. So Jesus is praying, He's speaking out. Sanctify them, Lord, by your truth. Your word is truth. So the Lord's prayer... They asked Jesus again, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Luke 11, verse 2, He said, When you pray, say. Say, Repeat that with me. When you pray, say. He didn't say, when you pray, think. When you pray, meditate. No, no, none of that. He said, say, talk. Speak to me. I'm a person. I'm a human being. If you want to communicate with your friends, you both sit there and... You know, I mean, how dumb is that? Yeah. Hey, you do No, when you pray, say, say, speak, talk, do something. How did we miss that? How did we miss that? Pretty simple. It's a child telling his father what he wants. You know, Zach doesn't come to his granddad or his dad and say, no, no, he's got volume. I'm telling you, got it from his mother. <laughs> And his grandmother, he's got volume. Apparently he told them in three-year-old kids last week or a couple of weeks ago, he said, he stood up and he said, sing louder. My granddad says you've got to sing so, they can, so he can hear you. Something like that. So there we go. So he, he likes volume. So he can talk. He won't have a problem with this. So it's, it's a child asking a father what it wants. So there's this violinist and uh, he's a brilliant violinist and his own son learned to play the violin, but not from his father. Someone else taught him. So someone said to the father, why didn't you teach your son to play the violin? He said, because he never asked me. I think we, we, we so often, there's, let me tell you, there are a lot of areas in your life you are not asking God in. 
You're just not, you're just not getting around asking. You probably think he knows. You're probably meditating about it and think, oh God, you know, you know my thoughts. He does know your thoughts, but he said, ask. You have not because you... It doesn't say you have not because you meditate not. Or you have not because you think not. You have not because you ask. He wants to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. He likes your voice. Just don't sing to him, some of you, all right? It's easier to pray when you're alone if you pray out loud. If you get trouble with wandering thoughts, meditating, thinking, pray out loud. I mean, even then it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to help you a lot. And I think, you see, one of the reasons people can't pray out loud in a prayer meeting is because they don't pray out loud in their private time. And so they're scared of their own voice. They're not used to their own voice praying. So they come to a prayer meeting and they meditate. But no, 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 we've got to come and pray. <laughs> they come to a prayer meeting and think. You know, no, 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 come and pray. And even the Bible says, it doesn't say, you know, when you pray, sing. Hello? You, I mean, that's a part of it. You can do all that sort of stuff, but that's not what the Scripture actually teaches. All right, so I know I'm rocking things around here a bit this morning, but are we all right? Yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough, all right. I'll keep going, I will. I'm doing my best. So then people struggle to lead out in prayer. You know, oh, can you lead us all in prayer? And some people just freeze. But if you're accustomed to praying alone in your prayer room, you're accustomed to praying out loud in a prayer meeting, when you're given the microphone, you just keep going. It's normal and it's not a hard thing to do. So you're saying to me, some of you are asking the question, well, what should the volume be? I'm glad you asked that question. Well, I can't give you a blanket scripture for this, but I'll just give you my thoughts, all right? My thoughts is the volume should be, you know, when you meet with a friend and you talk to them, I reckon that's a good volume. So it's, it doesn't have to be loud, but it's not too quiet. And when you meet with your friends, you don't whisper, do you? You don't whisper to each other. No, you know, you talk. You talk. It doesn't it make you mad when people whisper at you. You think, what was that? Excuse me? Come again? I wonder if God's doing that for us sometimes. What was that? I didn't hear you talk. No, he always hears me, but some of you maybe, others he doesn't quite hear. So, you know, we, we get, you know, we're getting away from what I believe the Bible actually talks about. And I think breakthrough prayer requires more than meditation, thinking and whispering. Now you can, sometimes it's right to whisper. You know, you might be with other people and you don't want to cause a commotion. So it might be, but that's the exception, not the rule. Okay, number three, it's a relationship, not a method. So one of the key aspects of prayer, breakthrough prayer, is avoid it becoming a method, a system, a program that you go through, but you've got to develop your relationship with God and pursuing His presence. Now, I'm really going to shock you, all right? If I haven't shocked you yet, I'm going to shock you. This one's from David Paulson. So if you don't like it, blame him. He's one of the greatest teachers on the planet, all right? But this is what he says. The Bible says nothing about a quiet time. It's not in here. It's not in here, friends. All right, so it's, it does say pray at all times, but it doesn't say have a quiet time. Now, again, I understand when these times are quiet, when you're reading the Word, I like it to be quiet. And I will have times of quiet. I'll have times of waiting upon God. It's one of the best things that you can do. It's a brilliant thing to do. But I think that's, that, that's sort of like more the exception again than the rule. 
The rule is that we pray and we talk to God and tell Him our requests. And, and you know, so there's got to be some quiet in your time, but it shouldn't all be quiet because if it's all quiet, you're probably going to fall asleep anyway. If it's too quiet, I think that's what happens. But prayer is about a relationship, developing a relationship. Imagine me saying to my wife, Adrian, I love you, honey. You can talk to me every morning from 7 to 8 a.m. I'll give you a whole hour of the time. But that's it. No more communication the rest of the day. It's not going to last long. She'll be filing for divorce. She tried and I said, no, you can't have it. Anyway, that's just a joke, all right? That's just a joke, all right? Relax, relax. What do you reckon, Matt? Was that all right? Well, you need to connect with God throughout the day. Now, if you really want a relationship, you will find a way. So a young man looks around the church, sees a certain young lady that he fancies, or it could be a girl who fancies a guy. In fact, this is the only reason some people come to church. <laughs> is they're trying to find someone. So if they don't find them here, they'll go to another church and, you know, in search of God via a husband or a wife that they're looking for. So anyway, <coughs> this is what they do. So, but the young man will find a way. He'll work out his own method, won't he? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So he may sit where, near where she sits, right? Just to keep an eye on things. He won't be listening to the message. Don't, don't be fooled by that. He's looking at her, looking at her hairstyle, what's she wearing, what's she dressing, what her reactions and responses are like. He's, his, his eyes are fixed on her and he'll probably go and hang around the foyer, hoping that she might pass his way or might be a guy waiting for a girl or a girl waiting for a guy. He's gonna turn up to events that normally he despised and would never go to, but he goes because he thinks she's gonna be there. He might even send her a letter or a Valentine's card, maybe some flowers. By the way, it all stops once they're married. But that's just, a, that's just a pursuit. You know, when the pursuit's on, you do all those things. But the point is this, he'll do whatever it takes to get a relationship with the person he is after. And so will she, it's the way. And we all want a stronger prayer life. We all want a closer relationship with God. If we want it enough, we will find a way. You know, it, it, one way that, you know, we'll find a way because it's the most important thing. Our way may be different to anyone else's, but we will find a way. Prayer is about relationship. The greatest thing in life is knowing God and getting closer to Him. So whatever it takes, find a way. Find your own way, but find a way and get there. You know, I've been thinking about this. I wonder if we get accustomed to the fact that we can meet with God whenever we want to, anytime, any day, anywhere, whenever you want. Five in the morning, eight in the morning, 10 in the morning, 10 at night, midnight, one in the morning. Anytime you want to meet with Him, you can. I wonder we get so accustomed to that, that we sort of, it's be familiar, we kind of don't bother too much about it. Would we pray more? Here's a suggest thought. Would we pray more if God said, okay, Johnny, I always pick on Johnny, I don't know why, but okay, Johnny, you can meet with me and make your request Monday, Thursday, Saturday at between 1 and 2 p.m. That's it. What do you reckon? How many of you reckon you, you, you'd make sure you turned up? How many of you reckon you'd, you'd, you'd make sure, you probably even would prepare what you're going to say in the limited time? I guarantee you would not fall asleep. But because, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. And God is so accessible that we just don't bother to access Him a lot of the time. 
We can pray to Him any time. So sometimes we just don't even bother. The, the greatest privilege in the universe that you can have an appointment with God any moment of every day and we kind of, well, whatever. <laughs> I don't think God's going to change the system, by the way, but <laughs> probably not a bad idea. So does God hear us and answer our prayers? He sure does. There is breakthrough prayer. Sometimes you think God's not answered your prayer, but He's working on it. And I want to encourage you to expect a breakthrough. I'm going to finish with this story, which impacted me. Ruby Hamilton, she was a businesswoman. And uh, she was in her 50s, but she was stunned when her husband died suddenly. Husband of 32 years in a car accident. Her anger and disappointment went really, really deep. The reason it went so deep is that she had prayed for him. Once she got saved in her late 20s, she prayed for him fervently, unceasingly, day after day after day. And then she had an experience with God where she felt his presence and his peace and this assurance that her husband would be saved. Then he died. So what do you do when your faith doesn't make sense? Sadly, in Ruby's case, she stopped living for God. She said, God, I, I'm out. I prayed, interceded, cried out to you. You did not come through. I can't serve you. The story continues that Roger Simmons was hitchhiking his way home. This black Cadillac pulls up. And he hops in there, thinks his lucky day has come. And there's a handsome, well-dressed man there. said, I'm off to Chicago. He said, my name's Hamilton. Roger is a Christian. As they're driving along, he's not going to go all the way to Chicago. He's going to get dropped off a bit earlier. He said, he just felt, I need to tell this guy about Jesus. But he just kept putting it off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Finally, there's 30 minutes to go. And he kind of thinks, man, it's now or never. And he's afraid that, you know, if he talks to this guy, the guy's going to throw him out of the car. Anyway, he says, uh, Mr. Hamilton, I've got something really important I want to share with you. And he talks to him about the plan of salvation and how to get to Christ. So immediately, Hamilton pulls the Cadillac, big black sleek Cadillac to the side of the road and Roger's expecting to be thrown out. But instead, Mr. Hamilton bows his head and with tears in his eyes, gives his life to Jesus Christ. And he says, this was the greatest thing I have ever done. So five years go by and Roger, who had been picked up by Mr. Hamilton, he's married now, got some kids. He's packing a suitcase for a trip to Chicago and he finds this white business card that had been given to him by this Mr. Hamilton five years ago. So he's in Chicago. He looks up Hamilton Enterprises. Reception tells him, he says, can I see Mr. Hamilton? The reception says that's impossible, which surprised him a little bit. But he said, you can see Mrs. Hamilton. So he's ushered into her beautiful office. And she said, so you knew my husband? And Roger said, yeah, I knew your husband. He picked me up uh, a number of years ago and uh, took me, you know, uh, on a trip when I was wanting to make my way towards Chicago. And um, she said to him, can you tell me what day that was? He said, yeah, yeah, I remember, because it was the day he got out of the army or something like that. It was May the 7th. She said, anything special about that day? Now, he's hesitating. And he says, well, yeah, actually, there was something about that special about that day. And he said, I explained the gospel to your husband that day. He pulled over to the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body. 
Finally getting a grip of herself, she sobbed. She said, I'd prayed for my husband's salvation for years and I believed that God would save him. And Roger asked, well, where is your husband? And she replied, he's dead. He was in a a car crash after he let you out of the car. He never got home. You see, I thought God had not kept his promise. I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought God had not kept his word. But friends, God had kept his word. She prayed fervently. She prayed unceasingly. And she thought that God had not heard. When you pray, say, cry out to God. There is breakthrough prayer available for every one of us. Prayer is powerful. As the musicians would come and join me, please. We can all enjoy breakthrough prayer. But there's a few simple keys that I've shared with you that maybe you've not heard before that are going to help you moving forward. The first one is pray with others. Attend church prayer meetings. Choose one, just one of those many that we have. We have one on Thursday night at six o'clock. We have, we have one on um, Sunday night at, at uh, 5.15. And, and uh, I'm sure your groups have prayer meetings as well. That we have the Hour of Power services as much as you can. And sometimes the bigger the meeting, the more people, the better it is because there's a lot of people involved when we are praying. And then secondly, the other thing is talk to God out loud. Raise your voice like you're talking to another person. Don't just pray in your head. Don't just meditate and focus on a relationship, not a method. And then if you'll add faith to your prayers, there's a good chance you will experience breakthrough prayer in your life. He is a God who hears and who answers prayer in Jesus' Name. Amen.